What is up, everybody? We are back with another episode of Pucking Around here on the Review and Preview Sports Network. My name is Noah Dog Dibler, and once again, I am joined by my good friend and co-host, Gar Charger Patrick. How are you doing tonight, my friend? Man, I'm fired up. Another week closer to NHL. Obviously, preseason kicking off this weekend. Also, we've had the prospect showcase going down, so I've loosely been keeping up with that. Obviously, it's very hard to actually watch those games unless you're fortunate enough to go in person. Uh, mm-hmm. But I've at least been keeping up with players, specifically Tampa Bay Lightning ones, uh, to see how they've been performing, the future of the organization. Uh, but, yeah, no, just really fired up. Like I said, another week closer. Hockey is right around the corner. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, I think preseason starts the 24th, I want to say, which I think is the Saturday, something like that. So hockey right around the corner. In fact, I think you just shared a post with me right before we got on here. 21 days until regular season puck drop. So uh, we got a lot to get into. Um, I was talking to Garth about this in pregame. It's really funny how literally the day of our hockey show, um, multiple major hockey news stories just breaking out. So we got a lot to get into. Um and we're just going to get right into it because, you know, like I said, we do want to do draft coverage. That's what the show is supposed to be. But, you know, we had breaking news today. So we're going to start with this. Um, Nathan McKinnon, captain uh, or center, excuse me, on the Colorado Avalanche. Um, been there since I think he was drafted in 2013. Garth, absolute stud. I think he's a two times heart trophy runner up, which, um, you know, in case you're not as familiar with the NHL, the heart is basically the MVP award. There's actually two different MVP awards, but the heart, I'd say, is typically regarded higher than the Ted Lindsay, which is the other one. Um, two times running up, I believe it is. Um, like it says there, he's a center. Um, not a great faceoff guy on a cigar. I think he wins like 46% faceoffs for his career, but he's a stud offensively. He's a phenomenal passer, you know, career point per game type guy. I think he had like 88 points last season. And for a team that just won the Stanley Cup, um, and like you said, I believe this is the, by average annual value, the most expensive contract in in the NHL because I think Connor McDavid's on something like $12.5 a year, whereas this is 12.6. So he is now the highest played player in the NHL um, for the team that just won the Stanley Cup. So, Garth, what are are your thoughts on Nathan McKinnon as a player? Obviously, the Avalanche, you know, just did – defeat your lightning in the Stanley cup finals, you know, maybe some thoughts on the team as well. And just the contract in general. Yeah, absolute stud. Uh, you know, if it weren't for guys like Connor McDavid, uh, he very well could have a heart trophy or two under his belt. Um, I think he's Kale McCarr deserves all the credit in the world. Uh, mm-hmm. but this is the guy who's been the face of that franchise for the past few years and a really large part of why they've been able to get to the postseason and this year actually win it all and have some more success than in years past. Um, but he was absolutely phenomenal this postseason, you know, all throughout. He, he hit kind of a slump against us early on in the series, but mm-hmm. had some huge goals, some huge assists, you know, to help close it out. Um, you know, just a very, very reliable, elite offensive weapon in the NHL face of a franchise, Kale McCarr making a case to kind of possibly take that role from him in the in the coming years. But right now, like I said, that is the dude there in Colorado. Um, mm-hmm. As far as the actual money aspect, you know, a lot of people kind of said this about my Tampa Bay Lightning in the past few years. Where are they finding all this money at, man? They just went out and won yeah. the cup, and it looks like they're just handing out uh, massive contracts left and right this offseason, despite 
you know, if people have been following Cavs situation, this is a team that was, you know, maybe not in terrible shape, but definitely did not seem to have a ton of extra spending money. Um, but it may, you know, it may come back to bite them long term. It makes it really, really hard to keep teams together when you're paying guys this much unless the salary cap goes up. Uh, but that will remain to be seen. Yeah, I'm gonna, we're going to get into the Avalanche cap situation in a second. I don't know why that automatically put up, but um, got a couple comments coming in already. Our good buddy Hank and Dick just saying big W for the Avs. I agree, Hank. Tom Scavetta saying, what's up, gents? What's up, Tom? Excited up, Tom? to be back with another show. And uh, Mike coming in, let's go Rangers. Big Rangers fan there. Not a fan of a certain former Los Angeles Kings player, but that's a topic for a whole other show. Rangers got a potential top 10 pick and a potential third rounder for a defenseman who probably wouldn't have even made the team. Yeah, they traded Nils Lundqvist. Um, now, I will say, um, I believe that first rounder is lottery protected, so they're not going to do anything like win the lottery if Dallas misses the playoffs. Um, I believe he was traded Dallas. And all of a sudden get a number one overall pick because that, that's not happening. But, you know, could be a potential, you know, decent first round pick. So we will see what happens there. But, you know, I do think it was a good trade. I think the Rangers have made some good trades. I thought trading Georgiev like a third or whatever it was as well. He was another guy that, you know, that never was going to stay either. So that was good value as well. Um, our buddy Jacob Winner is coming in saying, go Red Wings. Yeah, um, they've looked really good in the prospect showcase. Ton of young talent, not just the big names. A lot of guys behind them as well. They look promising. Actually, yeah, they're, they're, uh, I mentioned one in the chat earlier today. Uh, I want to say it's like Elmer Lindbaum, Lindbaum, mm -hmm. something like that. Dude is a six foot eight forward, and he's got hands. It isn't just a big body. Uh, so keep your eye out for him, Jacob. Yeah, no, they're absolutely uh, loaded prospect wise. I would definitely not be surprised in a few years um, if they're back being good again. Um, if the first is in the top 10 next year, it becomes an unprotected 2024 first rounder. Got it, Mike. Um, Hank saying, once again, CD23 needs to be given the benefit of the doubt. Um, dogs in the background. It's not October yet. Our good buddy. <laughs> good buddy, Tom. We do have a massive game in October between Georgia and Florida. Um, but that's a topic for another time. Um, I'm going to put up the Avs cap friendly. Um, if you guys aren't familiar with Cap Friendly, phenomenal website um, for looking at cap-related stuff, especially when it comes to hockey. But as we see right here, Garth, uh, projected cap space, this is after the McKinnon excuse me, extension, just a little under $2 million left. Um, and that cap is going to slowly increase the next few years as well, so that's important to keep in mind as well. But, I mean, this offense is loaded, right, Garth? Uh, Gabriel Landis got the cap, and he's still there. Some people thought they might lose him in the expansion draft to Seattle, but they did not. He remained. Ranton is still there, obviously McKinnon. Um, and like I said earlier in the banner, this 12.6 million AAV eight-year extension, it takes them through the 2030-31 season. So it's going to take him until, you know, he's a good 35, 36 years old guard. Um, other guys, they um, re-signed Valerie Nakushkin in the offseason to a pretty solid long-term deal. And on the defensive side, you mentioned Cal McCarr. Guy's an absolute stud. In fact, Garth, I saw today, um, not to get off topic in the video games, but I saw he's actually the highest-rated defenseman. Yeah, 94 new, overall, I believe. Yeah, for the uh, new it, Just NHL above Roman Yossi and Victor Hedman. Uh, yeah, real so. quick, though, Noah, not to interrupt you here, but I would like to point out two absolute studs on this roster outside of Kale McCart and Alex Newhook and okay. Bowen Byram. Both of them were huge parts of that postseason run. 
yeah, Byron's a really young guy. I'm excited to see how he develops. Um, Devin Taze as well, former New York Islander. I thought he was really solid for them as well. I like Sam, Sam Gerrard as well. And Eric Johnson, I mean, he's just been there for a long time as a leader. Um, funny enough, mentioning the Rangers, uh, the, the Abs were actually a team that Georgiev got traded to. So him and Francis, um, because Kemper did leave in free agency. Um, we'll see what happens in goal. But, yeah, you know, like you said, Garth, for a team that's as loaded as they are, just won the Stanley Cup, cap situation isn't that bad. You know, now that they re-signed McKinnon, um, their big guys are pretty much locked up for at least a couple of years. Um, you know, prospects like Byron coming through as well will help as well. So, look, I think they're going to be around for quite a long time. And this was the thing with the Avs, right, Garth? When they kept losing in the playoffs over and over, it kind of like your lightning from five years ago. You knew they could do it if they could just finally break through and get to the finals. And that's what they did. They finally were able to get past the dreaded second round, like the Washington Capitals of about 10 years ago. And when they finally did, they were able to win the Stanley Cup. So um, they're going to be contending for the foreseeable future, I think. The only thing I had to question with them, um, that said, Garth, is what we questioned with them last year, and it didn't end up affecting them that much, um, goaltending. You know, Francis, I like him. Um, Georgiev, he's decent. Um, I think he's a pretty good backup. I don't know about him as a starter. But neither of these guys, I mean, ideally, I think on great teams, they're probably backups instead of starters. But, I mean, we've seen this. Like, they had Grubauer a few years ago, and he was a Vesna candidate because of how great the defense was and how great the system worked to his strengths. And then he gets shipped off to Seattle, and, you know, what do you know? You're on a team like Seattle. Uh, it's, it's nowhere near as easy. So I think the goalies will be fine just because they have great pieces around them. Um, but we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, it's definitely going to be interesting next few years for the Abs. I think they'll be right in contention for the Stanley Cup um, for a long time. Yeah, I don't see them going away anytime soon. Uh, Like you said, though, I think really the only question mark they have headed into the season is in goal. Um, But like you said, you know, really good play in front of you makes your job as a goaltender much easier. So you don't really have to be one of those, you know, elite stand on your head every night type of guys. Absolutely. Next topic. Um, Some more breaking news that happened today. Nowhere near as urgent as the contract extension, but I mean, I do think it is. It is good to give respect to long-term veterans of the NHL. Three defensemen, actually, funnily enough, for Garth. Uh, Zdeno Chara, P.K. Subban, and Keith Yandel all re- announced their retirements today. Um, Chara, I knew him best with the Bruins. I mean, he also – I think he started with the Islanders a long time ago, and then he's kind of flopped around his last years. Um, he retired when he was like 45 or 46, which is pretty ridiculous when you think how physical – his play style was the guy was an absolute behemoth. I mean, the p- tallest player in the NHL for God, as long as I can remember, honestly, PK Suman, um, you know, he was great on the Canadians. I think um, once he got traded to Nashville, I think he started, he was good there. The first, I think of the first year was when they actually made the cup and they lost to us, obviously. Um, but he was phenomenal and he was a big part of the reason they went that cup. And then after that, like when he left and he went to the Devils, um, he just really wasn't the same player. He had a terrible contract and whatnot. Um, bit of a dirty player sometimes. I mean, I know I know the Rangers fans that we know, Garth, they love to refer to him as P.K. Sluban for <laughs> slewing players. Um, but, you know, I will say about P.K., I, I have kept up with him for quite a few years. Um, great guy off the ice. Like, he, he does all, all kinds of charitable stuff with kids and whatnot, so – Say what you want about him on the ice, but I think off the ice, you know, he's a pretty good role model. And Keith Yandel, um, really solid defenseman. Unfortunately for him, Garth, 
he's just been on like crappy teams for a good amount of his career. He was with the Coyotes for forever, and he was really solid for them. Um, he was on the Panthers as well, and, and did a pretty good job for the Panthers for a few years there. So um, Keith Yandel retires as well. Do you have any uh, specific thoughts on any of these defensemen, guard? Yeah, so one thing to add to that that I thought was, you know, probably a lot of people expected it, but still it's a really nice gesture. Uh, Char did get signed to a one-day Boston Bruin contract to retire as a Boston Bruin. Um, I was looking it up, and obviously the total amount of games he played was insane regardless because he's in the league for so long, as you mentioned, 45 years old, um, but by far played the majority of his career with the Boston Bruins. It was like almost a thousand games, I want to say, just with them versus, you know, a hundred or 200 with the few other teams that he's been on. I do believe he was fun fact on the Ottawa senators for a while, actually. Um, yes, he was, but really, really uh, just a little tidbit here. I remember this season at this dude's age, 45, I want to say it was against the Hurricanes. Definitely could be wrong on that, but he literally fought like the whole entire team. <laughs> yeah. He just lined them up one by one and hit them all right in the face. So <laughs> just a little fun fact with him there. He did not lose any of his tenacity or ferociousness in age. Really big, huge dude. Uh, I love seeing guys like that on the ice because it really isn't that common. You know, you're used to these like six foot, 180, 190 pound guys flying around the ice. So to see those big, huge um, enforcer type guys, they kind of got a soft spot for me. Um, and then the other two, you know, Subban, I think everybody knows him, whether you like him or not. He's a guy who's been very prominent in the NHL for years and years and years. It feels like he's been there even longer than he has been. Uh, like you said, you know, questionable plays here and there, uh, but great career Norris trophy winner. Um, and a great guy off the ice, a lot of charitable work. And last but not least, Keith Yandel, my heart goes out to you. You spent a lot of time on bad teams despite being a very good player. Um, but, yeah, really weird to see all three of these guys all announce retirement on the same day and all being defensemen. But, you know, I tip my cap to all of them. Fantastic NHL careers for all three of these guys. Yeah, no question, Garth. And, um Obviously, when players retire, you know, the Hall of Fame discussion does come up. And, you know, while I definitely agree that Subban and Yandel are very solid players, um, whether, you know, it was the teams they played on or, you know, just their own talent themselves, I think they were very, very good players. I don't think they're quite Hall of Fame worthy. But when you look at Char, I think it's a bit different. Um, you know, we got to talk about some of the records this guy has, guard for a defenseman. First of all, he's six foot nine. He's the tallest player to ever play in the NHL. Six foot nine, two fifty, which is friggin' insane when you really think about it. Um, Big Z, what a nickname as well. Um, but he's a Norris Trophy winner. I uh, did it back in two thousand nine. Um, Captain the Bruins to three Stanley Cup Finals in 2011, 2013, and twenty nineteen. Um, unfortunately for them, they did only win one of those. Um, NHL's all time leader in games played by a defenseman which is ridiculous to think of, Garth, when, you, you know, you've had guys like Ray Bork and Nicholas Lidstrom, um, but Zeno Charles actually played more games than either of them. Um, like you said, retired when he was 45, and Tom Berg gives us a good stat to use as well. Less than half of Ruby and previous staff was alive when Charles started his first NHL game. Yeah, I don't think I was either, Garth. Um, I think he started in, like, 96 or whatever, which is, you know, a few years before I was born. Um, but, yeah, career stats, 209 goals, 471 assists, 680 total points, uh, plus minus the 301 
and 155.1 puck shares. To me, I think Zdeno Chara, just, you know, for sure longevity and, you know, the, the fact he was such a very solid defenseman, not necessarily in the way of scoring guard, like that was never his game. Like, I mean, he had good seasons where he'd like score 50 points here and there, but that, that's really the max. Um, he was great defensively. That That's where he made his name, I think, you know, hitting, blocking shots, you know, taking the puck away, stuff like that. Um, I think that's where he made his legacy. So to me, you know, based on his longevity and the fact that the guy is an absolute like machine defensively, um, I think he's a Hall of Famer. What about you, Garth? Yeah, definitely. I got to agree with you. No, just, you know, the longevity, as he said, to play that many games in the NHL and a sport that's so physically grueling, especially given the fact, and I don't think enough people kind of put <laughs> thought into this. He was in the postseason a lot. Um, which, you know, players go to that next level in playoffs, in my opinion. You know, they play even harder. They're willing to kind of, like, sacrifice and lay their bodies on the line that much more because it means so much. So not only did this guy play a ton of regular season games, but a ton of postseason games as well. And like you said, you know, he might not have lit up the stats in terms of scoring, but his presence was felt defensively. you know, just a very big, physically imposing guy who was solid on the defensive side of things. Um, I, I just I, I don't see holding NHL all-time records, uh, the longevity, being a captain for a team like the Boston Bruins, making Stanley Cup finals and winning one. I don't see how you can keep him out. Yeah, I'm right with you. Um, just the longevity, man. So um, congratulations to those three on, re- on retirements. I think Charles is probably the only one we'll see in the Hall of Fame. Um, but that's no disrespect to Subin and, and Yandel. They were, they were very solid players as well for a pretty long time. So um, congratulations to those three. Now, moving on to our major topic. This was supposed to be the entire show. But like we said, literally all those news just broke today. Um, funny enough, Garth, the, the McKinnon one, like I send in our post or whatever, because how this works is we, we send our like post into James so that they can make a post to, to share on their social medias at 4 p.m. Literally five minutes before, after I sent in the post, the news came out that Nathan McKinnon had resigned. So, you know, it's just funny how all this news broke so quickly. Uh, but the main topic of our show, the stuff that's on all the thumbnails and whatnot, literal, you know, that I think the title of this episode is Faces of the Franchise, something like that, because we're going to recap the um, 2022 NHL entry draft in this one. Um, we're going to go through probably the top five in real big depth. And then after that, we'll kind of, you know, maybe look at some sleepers or whatnot. And then we're obviously going to discuss our own teams because surprisingly, Garth, our teams actually had first round picks, which yeah, doesn't really I, happen a lot. I don't know the exact number, but I feel like if you went back and found the last time that both the Tampa Bay Lightning <laughs> and your Pittsburgh Penguins had a first round pick, you'd probably have to go back quite a few years, especially considering what was it the first time in like four or five years since your team even had one? I know. I, I think the last one was 2019, maybe. Like we before this year, we had only had like two in the past eight years. Um, and the the one before that was one we traded for back in 2012. So yeah, we, we haven't had one for a while. So I'm glad we finally got one. Um, and it's even better. I actually like the player we picked, but we'll get into that a bit later. Um, we're gonna go ahead and put the uh, draft results up. Um, I might actually zoom it in a bit because it's a little bit hard to read like this. Um, so that, that should be better. Um, we're going to start, um, obviously, with number one, uh, Juraj Schlafkovsky. Um, I know you're the big 
um, prospect analyst Garth. So, you know, I'm just going to let you lead off on this one. Uh, this was definitely a bit of a surprise, I think, coming into the draft. First of all, for months, right, it seemed like Shane Wright out of the Kingston Frontenacs was the consensus number one pick at center. But then leading up, I'd say probably about two or three weeks before the draft, Logan Cooley started gaining traction as well. Um, you were sharing articles with me that some analysts were starting at your rank. Cooley ahead of Wright. And then it seemed like right before the draft, Garth, like I'm talking like a week at most before the draft, Slavkovsky started getting momentum as, you know, having number one pick potential. And then we started hearing that Montreal was interested in him. And then they actually took him. Um, so, you know, what are your thoughts on Slavkovsky? Because I've heard this as potential off the roof. You're talking like if he if he develops how people think he can, you're talking like a Patrick Kane level winger or something like that. So what are your thoughts on um, when the Canadians took him? Were you surprised? Um, and what kind of player do you think he can be? So personally, I wasn't surprised, but that was only because I was really paying heavy attention to the media and kind of the rumors swirling around right before the draft kicked off. Because like you said, uh, Wright was that consensus number one pick. If you guys, you know, maybe follow hockey loosely or you're just trying to get into the sport now, um, hockey is a little bit different than, say, NFL or NBA, where like, you know, the first round pick can either completely be up in the air or there's a handful of guys that could get it depending on a team's need. Um, mm -hmm. With hockey, usually most years, the number one pick is pretty solidified and usually in, you know, a long time in advance. We're talking, you know, like months, years, even sometimes when we have those generational talent type of players. Uh, so this one was right for a long time, Noah. And then, like you said, as we got closer and closer, you know, the rumor mill was churning. Uh, you know, people were ranking other players ahead of him, like a Logan Cooley. And then right there, right, you know, within the a day or two before, out of nowhere, Slavkovsky. Um, but like I said, I wasn't shocked. And I think that the Canadians still made a really good pick here because this is a guy whose potential is through the roof. First of all, he's a huge, huge presence. He's six foot four, something like 230, I want to say. Uh, uh, six, six foot three, 238. I got his stats up. So, yeah, big guy. So, and, and I sent you a message the other day. I've been seeing videos of this dude on the ice in that mm -hmm. prospect showcase with the Canadians. He absolutely yeah. flies. It reminded me a lot of like Kale McCarr, but with Victor Hedman's size. Um, so just just the fact that he's that big and that fast and agile on the skates. Then you add in the fact that this is a guy who can score. He played in the Liga, which is Finland's top professional league. Um right. We talked a lot about that on the draft preview show or, you know, the live draft show that we did with our good buddy, Brian Attard. Um, and Anthony agreed with us a lot. This is a guy who's already been playing against other professional hockey players. He's been playing against grown men, you know, experienced, seasoned guys at the professional level overseas. Mm -hmm. It's not a guy who's, you know, just coming out of college or, uh, you know, maybe like the OHL. This is a guy who, could have an impact relatively early in his career, especially on a Montreal Canadian team that needs a lot after abysmal season. Um, but yeah, I could go on and on about this guy, just a really good combination of size, speed, puck handling. And despite being a bigger guy, he can still score just as good as some of those, you know, smaller five foot, 10, six foot guys uh, that we're so accustomed to seeing at the forward and center position. 
Yes, I got some interesting stats on Slavkovsky, Garth. Um, First of all, like you said, he's been killing it in the prospect showcases. But did you know that, well, obviously we had the the 2022 Winter Olympics um, back in February, I believe it was, and one of the sports for that is obviously hockey. Um, Slavkovsky was a member of Team Slovakia, and he actually helped them win their first ever Olympic medal in hockey. They won a bronze. He also led the tournament in scoring and was named the most valuable player. Now, keep in mind, Garth, um, this is like this isn't like some amateur thing. You're talking Olympic hockey at the highest level. Um, now, I will say, you know, sure, you know, a lot of prospects or whatnot. Um, but, man, you know, on pretty much the biggest stage you can get for the international level, um, he got it done. And like you said last year, he played in the Liga where he had 10 points in 31 games, uh, five goals, five assists. In the playoffs, he had seven points in 18 games, two goals, and like five assists. And like you said, um, first of all, you have to put the stats in context. Like just because he scored 10 points, 31 games or whatever, that doesn't mean he sucks. Because you have to remember, Garth, he was doing this when he was 17 years old, playing against, like you said, other professionals, grown men, guys in their early to mid-30s sometimes. Um, in a professional league, he's not playing in the CHL, Garth, which is an amateur league, or in the U.S. developmental team, which is just a bunch of prospect teams going against other prospect teams. He's playing in a professional league, and it's a pretty high professional league as well. The Liga is one of the best non-NHL professional leagues in the world. You're talking leagues like the KHL, um, the Liga, and the SHL is, you know, the top professional hockey leagues out of the United States, um, and he was getting it done. The only thing I would – Say against Slavkovsky guard is not necessarily anything to do with him as a player because I agree with you. I think he has potential off the charts. Um, I just think center is a more valuable position than taking a winger. So, like when guys like Shane Ryder, Logan Cooley were there, just based on you know the importance of the position, and I think Montreal needs a bit of everything. I probably would have taken one of those two over Slavkovsky. You know, again, that's that's nothing to do with him as a player. Um, I just think center is the most important position in hockey. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree there, Noah. Um, I think, too, with that said, though, at least what that says to me as an outsider looking in, um, mm -hmm. I don't particularly follow the Canadians very closely. They're not really uh, a team that I root for. Uh, I don't dislike them by any regards. But um, I think that it, it shows that they've got a lot of confidence in the guy that they took last year in Cole Caulfield. Um so hopefully for their sake, he pans out and this ends up being kind of a home run draft pick. Yep, that's true. Um, we'll see what happens. Um, really brute form. I think he's a very talented player. Moving on to the number two pick, which um, was a bit of a head scratcher, my opinion, Garth. Uh, the New Jersey Devils taking Simon Nevich. Uh, fun fact here as well. Back-to-back -back Slovakians taken, which is a bit interesting. I literally like that has to be like the first time ever. Like considering how Canadian dominated this sport is, and you know Americans as well, um, Slovakia having back-to-back -back picks, number one and two, is pretty insane. But the Devils took Nimitz, who, look, I will say this, Garth, right? I think he was the highest-ranked defensive prospect in this draft. I mean, I think Juracek was right there, who went number six, but I think most people had Nimitz a little bit higher, uh, playing in the in the Czech extra legal league, um, and in that league. Um, and obviously, because he's Slovakian, Garth, he was also part of that Winter Olympics team that Slavkovs he was on and did a pretty good job. Um, had six points in eight games, actually, I believe. Um, actually, no, it's the World Championships. Uh, in the Olympics, he had one uh, 1.7 games. But, you know, he still did his part to help um, the team get a, get a bronze medal there. 
And in the Slovak League last year, he was playing for HK Nitra. Uh, sorry to Slovaks if I mispronounced that, but it's not personal. Uh, 26 points in 39 games played last year. But interesting statistic here, Garth. Only one goal compared to 25 assists. So 17 points in the playoffs as well in 19 games played. He was getting it done in that league. Um, he may not be a big goal scorer because, let's be honest, defensemen usually aren't. But if he's a good passer or whatnot, um, solid defensively, I just, I just, the only thing I don't get about this pick guard, this is kind of like Slavkovsky. It's nothing against Nimitz, the player himself. I mean, I do think it was a bit of a reach. But, you know, when there's guys like Kulian right on the board, now to play devil's advocate, I will say the Devils do already have two really good centers, in my opinion, in Nico Hishay and Jack Hughes. But even then, like if they wanted – Nimitz, I think they could have traded down and maybe taken him at like number four or five, really, and he probably still would have been there. Um, to take him at number two, you know, I think is a bit of a reach. But w- what are your thoughts on the Devils taking Nimitz, Garth? Yeah, um, I- I'm pretty much in agreement with you. Know, I think that he's a fantastic player. Um, you know, it-, it-, it just, like I said, number one didn't really shock me. This one definitely made me scratch my head a little bit. Because you're sitting at number two, Logan Cooley's still on the board. Shane Wright is still on the board. Uh, even if you wanted to go winger, you know, you see a name further down there like Gauthier. Um, you know, you could have gone winger as well, but you choose to go defenseman at number two. Granted, it was probably the number one uh, defenseman prospect in this draft. So at least they took the best possible, at least on paper. Uh, mm-hmm. But I just I, I think that going defenseman at number two overall, especially with what's on the board still, was definitely a reach by them. Um, but we'll, what I will say in their defense is it shows that they must have a ton of confidence in Heesher Hughes and also another guy, Noah uh, Dawson Mercer. So, you know, granted, it's very young, very inexperienced, and honestly not really proven quite yet because I don't think any of those three have become the type of player that they can be, that a lot of people see them being. Um, but at least it shows that they've got confidence in them and, you know, maybe they're trying to get a little bit of help so that Mackenzie Blackwood can have a better year in goal. He kind of had it rough last season, but yeah, like I said, no, I think that, you know, great pick for the position, uh, but definitely reached probably could have traded back, maybe even picked up something extra in exchange, you know, like another Mm -hmm. draft pick, maybe a a veteran player or something. Um, but yeah, you know, I don't hate it. I don't love it. I'm kind of right in the middle on this one. Yeah, and I will say with the Devils guard, they did trade Ty Smith, a former first-round pick in 2018, in the offseason to the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, for John Marino, who's um, definitely not a you know big prospect or anything. So, you know, with that trade, um, Nimitz kind of takes over as, you know, definitely their best defensive prospect on that side. Um, I think he has a lot of potential. Um, we'll just see what it, how it works out and – I don't know if this is unfair or not, Garth, but to me, um, when, you, when you're taking the defenseman at number two, um, I, unfortunately for him, I, I'm not saying this is fair or not. I think he needs to develop to be a guy like um, a Moritz Sider or something like that. Because if he doesn't, I think a lot of people might question this pick in the next couple of years. But I'm rooting for him. You know, nothing again. And, and this is what I love about the draft, Garth. You know, you're talking about kids, basically. You know, dreams coming true, getting a chance to find and play, pay professionally. Um, don't they want to bash in these guys? Because even if we do think it's a bit of a reach, you, you, know, you don't actually know how good these players will be until they play. I mean, <laughs> there's been some massive busts in the NHL. So, 
Um, hopefully they all work out, you know, pretty well. But we'll see what happens uh, with Nimitz going to the New Jersey Devils. Now the next two guards, uh, I want to talk about these two as a pair because they were they're pretty linked. They play the exact same position. For the longest time, like I said, they were the two in contention for getting drafted number one, and then they go back to back. But it might not be the order that we thought it was. Logan Cooley going number third to the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, fun fact about Logan Cooley, our buddy Tom Scavetta is not going to like this. He was originally committed to the University of Notre Dame to play NCAA hockey, but he recently flipped that uh, committee, and instead he's going to play for the University of Minnesota. So we'll see how that works out for him next season. Shane Wright, like I said earlier, uh, played in the OHL for the Kingston Frontenacs, and he had 94 points last year in 63 games, 32 goals, 62 assists. In the playoffs, he played 11 games, had three goals and 11 assists for 14 points. Cooley playing for the U.S. National Development Team. Last year, 24 games played, had 13 goals, 23 assists, and 36 points. So, Garth, I'll throw the floor to you on this one because I remember when we were on the NHL draft show in the sports box with our buddy Brian Attar. And when the Arizona Coyotes took Logan Cooley, you would have thought he, the way he reacted that they took like a third-round rated center or something like that. Not a guy that was in contention for the number one pick for as long as he was. Now, I will say this. I do prefer Wright. But Cooley was right there. He's very talented. And we don't really know how either of these guys are going to pan out just yet. So I'm interested to see who does end up having a better career. Um, but the thing with Shane Wright, he's going to a Kraken team that already has another really young potential superstar center guard. Um, and his name is Matthew Beniers. And I'm excited to see how he does as well. It's going to be a little harder, I think, for Cooley in Arizona. That team is just – unfortunately, it's just an absolute mess. So it might be a bit more difficult for him to develop. But what are your thoughts on these players, Garth? And, you know, you can say if you, you like one player over the other. Um, but, you know, just give me some general thoughts on these draft picks. Yeah, so I think really a lot of people's kind of knee-jerk reaction to this pick with Arizona going Cooley over Shane Wright was the fact that they all pretty much had Shane Wright going number one. And then the fact that he fell again at number two right into Arizona's lap, and yet they pass up on him and choose to go with Logan Cooley. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they were kind of absolutely mind-blown at this point in the draft. I think it was, like I said, a very knee-jerk reaction without actually sitting down and looking at these two players, kind of comparing them. Um, I will say in Arizona's defense, they took a center, the position that me and you both value the most in the NHL. Right. Um, so I, I don't think – you know, that there is such a big difference in these two players, at least at this point in their career, um, that this is like a terrible pick by them. Um, I think that this is just the guy that they liked a little bit more out of the two. It's still a great pick. Um, you know, and like you said, this is an Arizona team that kind of is in absolute disarray right now um, with the future uncertain for them as far as where they're going to be playing. Are they going to have their own arena? Are they going to have to continue sharing arenas? Uh, because right now they're playing, you know, in a college arena that holds hardly any people at all. Um, I did see the other day that they've mm-hmm. actually been selling out of all the tickets because people are that excited in that area to see them play, I guess. Plus, obviously, it's a very small arena, so there's not physically as many tickets to sell. Um, but, you know, they, they add a very talented young, promising offensive prospect. That's exactly what they wanted, what they needed 
whether it have been Shane Wright or Logan Cooley. Um, they need kind of like uh, they need that spark. And I don't just mean on the ice. They need that spark for the whole franchise as a whole to draw viewership, to, to draw some right. fans, to try and, you know, grow that market. And I think that they just, you know, they liked Logan Cooley a little bit more for that aspect. And that's why they decided to go with him. Um, and then, as you said, Shane Wright goes number four to the Seattle Kraken. Uh, he's going to get to play and learn from guys like Beignet and my guy, Donnie Gord as well, who I don't know if it's official, if they've even announced it, but he was in contention for the C patch. Um, so, you know, I think that it's a really good fit for both. Uh, Shane Wright gets to go and learn from some more experienced guys. Uh, and Logan Cooley gets inserted into a huge lineup of very young, talented forwards who really just need to uh, kind of get more experience, prove themselves more on the ice. And and hopefully things will start looking up for the Coyotes now because that is a team that me personally, I would like to see do well. I have nothing against them. I really like their, you know, their logo and their color scheme and all that. And, you know, I like to troll as much as the next guy, but man, have they been getting absolutely dumped on lately. So it would yeah. be cool to see them turn things around. Yeah, it is tough for the Coyotes guard because I just don't think they're uh, – Arizona is not a hockey market in my opinion. The The attendance is really bad. Like you said, now they're playing in basically a college hockey arena. Um, it's just not worked out for them, man. You know, these are the original Winnipeg Jets. It didn't really work out for them there, and it, it hasn't – I don't think it's worked out for them in Arizona. Even the years the team has been pretty good, I, you know, I think the the averages or the interest, excuse me, has been mediocre at best. So it is tough. You know, I got nothing against the Coyotes, like you said, um, but it's really tough for them to attract attention. I mean, Arizona, you know, uh, they like football a little bit. That You know, they're, they're pretty big in the baseball. I think the Diamondbacks have a pretty solid following. Um, even the Suns, the Phoenix Suns have a good following, but just no one cares about hockey, I think, down there. You know, markets like L.A. or Seattle or obviously Vancouver on that kind of side of the, the country, it's a, it's a bit different. But Arizona, I don't know. man, It just hasn't worked out for him, which is unfortunate. But I do really like Cooley. I love Wright. I think he's going to be phenomenal for the Kraken. Um, like you said, you know, I probably prefer Wright a little bit. But it's not like it's an insulting pick that they took Logan Cooley. Like, you know, it, this was a guy that was – by a lot of scouts' accounts, easily could have been the number one overall pick right there with Shane Wright on their boards. And he just barely went – he went one pick ahead of Shane Wright. So, I mean, we'll see how it works out for him. Um, definitely a few years from now, we can definitely get a gauge of, you know, who actually was the better player. But as of right now, you know, they're both still young guys. They're both playing for the under-18s um, and doing well. Um, Cooley for the United States on 18s has 18 points in 16 games. Um, Wright has 21 and 10 for the Canada under 18s, which is absolutely phenomenal. Um, one last thing I would want to point out is the difference between these players, Garth, uh, penalty minutes. Logan Cooley last year in 24 games had 55 penalty minutes. Shane Wright in 63 had 22. So, you know, we'll see if Cooley, maybe that's just the aberration, or maybe he has kind of a tendency to take too many penalties to get in the box. Um, we'll see what happens. Now, number five, I'm really excited to talk about this one because, like you said, when we were on the sports box, we were doing it with a, a Flyers fan, our good buddy, Anthony Morella, a really nice guy, really funny guy. Um, unfortunately, though, for him, he is a Flyers fan. And when they made that pick, 
Oh my god! Like he was pissed. Brian was laughing. We were <laughs> laughing. The whole chat was on his mind, guys. <laughs> Cutter Gauthier going number five to the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, basically, from what I've heard, from what the scouts have said to this guy, um, I obviously I don't watch like the I don't watch the U.S. developmental team like really. Hugh does, um, unless you're a scout. But from what I've heard, this is a guy that has a very high floor guard, but maybe not quite the high ceiling. And, you know, I think Brian was the one who mentioned this when we were on that show. Um, to me, and I agree with this point, I think to me, I'd rather go for a guy with an absolute high ceiling, kind of like a boom or bust guy, than just a guy that has a pretty high floor. And you think, yeah, he'll probably be pretty good, but he's probably not going to be a superstar. And that's what I kind of think Cutter Gauthier is. Um, he's a pretty big guy, actually, uh, six foot two. 201 pounds, so he, he kind of has a power forward build, um, whereas, you know, the other guys taken ahead of him, like Savkovsky, you know, he has a sniper build, and the Cooley and Wright, I think, are more two-way players. This is definitely a guy that is absolutely massive and is going to use his body once he gets to the league. Last year, 65 points and 54 games played for the U.S. developmental team, 34 goals, 31 assists, 49 penalty minutes. Um, he also was on the U.S. under-18s this year, where they did win a silver medal and had nine points in six games played. Uh, but I think he's going to be, you know, a power forward slash grinder type of guy, you know, hitting, um, taking penalties or whatnot, maybe a decent amount of scoring, but probably nothing too special. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, with a lot of the great potential players in this draft, guys like Marco Casper who went number eight and your guy Matthew Savoy who went number nine. Um, I don't know about this pick. I, you know, I think, you know, it's a high floor, probably a low ceiling type guy. Um, what are your thoughts on, on Carter Gauthier? Because, I know the Flyers got absolutely shell shocked when they made this pick, and, and it was funny to see as you know a guy that doesn't really like the Flyers. Um, but, but you know, what what were your thoughts when they took him? Yeah, so I think that the reason why a lot of people were really shocked at this one, and that you know Flyers fans in particular were a little bit upset, or in the case of our good buddy Anthony Morello, absolutely mind blown and frustrated is that this is a guy who he's kind of like an all-around solid player, but he's not really elite at anything. You know, he's not an elite skater. Uh, he doesn't have elite hands. Um, he doesn't really, like, score at a super high pace. He's not a big-time goal scorer. He's, like you said, Noah, he's that power forward type build, a grinder. You know, he's going to chip pucks in, fight for them. Uh, you know, some forechecking. Mm -hmm. And, and kind of that guy who probably is going to be, you know, um, much like my Tampa Bay Lightning, like an Alex Kalorn or Corey Perry, where he kind of hangs out and makes his business right around the net, you know, causing trouble mm -hmm. for the goalie, blocking lines of sight, you know, stuff like that, trying to chip pucks in. Um, so, you know, granted, those players probably go a little bit underappreciated, but at number five overall, I don't think that that's really the type of player that, that you want to take, especially for a team like the Philadelphia Flyers, who are lacking in the offensive weapons department massively due to years and years of terrible contracts, big contracts to aging players. Yeah. Um, so I just, like I said, no, all around good player, not really crazy elite good at anything. Um, and just it doesn't make sense at number five is all nothing against him. I think he can end up being a fantastic player in the NHL, but, you know, it, it didn't make a lot of sense for them. That's for sure. I got to give you credit because I actually think that that Corey Perry comparison is really solid, you know, very similar builds. Corey Perry's a big guy. 
Um, and he's a decent scorer. I'm just looking at his stats real quick. 858 points in 1176 games, 405 goals, um, which isn't too shabby by any means. Uh, but it's not point per game. And like you said, you know, Perry isn't really known for his offense, even though one of his nicknames is Scory Perry. He's more known for, you know, the physical side, get under people's skin, stuff like that, being, you know, a power forward slash. Um, I, w- I don't know if grinder's the right term because he's way too offensive for grinder, but maybe, you know, just a, a more physical type player, if you will, get in on board play and whatnot, fighting for the puck. That's more what he's known for. So I think if Cody Gauthier uh, could be a bit like Corey Perry, that'd be pretty solid, you know. And Perry's kind of the same way, right? In his prime, he was – very good. I mean, he won a heart trophy. Heart trophy like, winner. Yeah, you don't do that. Ducks. You don't do that not being a talented. Um, but for the most part, he was just, you know, a very, very solid player rather than a consistently elite player. So th- that might be what Cutter Gauthier is like. Um, Tom Scavetta saying con world. I uh, don't know what he's referring to, but I agree, Tom. <laughs> uh, the guys that cage my IQ, that's our good buddy, Daniel Bakley. We love you, too. Thank you very What's much, up, Daniel. Daniel Mike Bradley saying, did I miss the Sabres talk oh, already? Sir. No, you made it just in time, actually. In fact, Mike, we're, we're actually about to get into that. Um, but real quick before we do get in that, um, I did just forget to give some shout outs. Make sure to follow us on our uh, uh, social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, we do upload our podcast to Anchor as well. So stay tuned for that. YouTube and TikTok. YouTube is the most important one. If you're watching on the YouTube at Review and Preview Sports, and you're enjoying, make sure to leave a like, share our content, and and if you want to keep watching, hit that big red subscribe button as well. And if you're watching Facebook, make sure to please leave a like on the show. It helps um, get our show into the Facebook algorithm and allow more people to see it. Um, But yeah, moving on, um, Mikey is already fired up because (laughs) we are going to skip around a little. We just wanted to go into the top five and and true debt, but now we're going to skip around. Um, You're a check. To the Blue Jackets, really like that pick. I think he was the number two defenseman in this draft. They got him at number six. I love the Blue Jackets draft, and they've had five first-rounders the last two years, Garth. And I think they've taken two centers and three defensemen, both very important positions, and now they're loaded at those prospect positions. Korchinski, unfortunately for him, this was the Alex Dabrinkit pick guard, and he's always going to have that stigma or label on his name, whatever it is, through no fault of his own but he's always going to be the guy that has the pressure on him of being the, the main piece of the Alex Dabrinkit trade. So we'll see how it works out for them. Marco Casper going to Detroit, who, like we said earlier, just absolutely loaded prospect-wise. But now, at number nine, this is your guy, Garth. This is the guy you specifically requested I put on the thumbnail for the show. And for Mikey, he was drafted by the Buffalo Sabres. Matthew Savoy from the Winnipeg Ice in the WHL. Now, I'm going to let you get to this one, Garth, because this is your guy, basically. What are your thoughts on Matthew Savoy here going at number nine? Yeah, so this is a guy that really stood out to me headed into the draft. Um, I talked about it a lot with both you and Mike in our group chat, him being a Sabres fan. Um, Really, his only criticism that I could find from analysts, experts, whatever you want to call them, was that um, his size, he's undersized. But when you really take a look at it, 5'9", 170, I compare him to guys like uh, Yanni Gord, Braden Point as well, two guys who uh, have been absolutely phenomenal in their NHL careers despite their size. Um, I think that this guy could realistically be the steal of this draft because that's the only, like I said, that was the only reason that he was even available at this pick, kind of their only critique of this guy. 
he can score at a high pace and he is a fantastic skater. And I think that that's a skill that's really underrated um, because you see guys like Connor McDavid, their skating ability creates a lot of their plays, whether a goal for themselves or an assist to somebody else. Uh, and Mikey sent it to us in our group chat earlier today, two goals in the prospect showcase in one game. So uh, the, the ceiling is really, really high on this guy. I like him a lot. Yeah, Garth, and um, I got to say, man, your dog seems to love Matthew Savoy as well. He's getting absolutely fired up in the back. He's fired up for Savoy. But, um, yeah, I think he's a great player. Like you said, he does have small size. He is five foot nine, 179, which um, for a center is definitely the smaller size, and that's a, a position where physicality is pretty important. But it's not the major thing. Like, if you're skilled, you can play at literally any position. And last season uh, for the ice in the WHL, he did have 90 points in 65 games, 35 goals, 55 assists, plus 54 Garth, which is pretty ridiculous when you think about it. And in the playoffs, he did have 12 points in 10 games, six goals, six six assists, excuse me, and was a plus 13. So very talented guy for a Buffalo team that does have a lot of prospects. Um, Our good buddy Michael Bradley saying the doggo is fired up. That he is. Isn't the Brinkett small too? He's definitely not massive. Um, I'll just give you the I quick. The Brinkett's five nine, if my memory serves me correctly. I'm looking at it real quick. Uh, it says he's actually five seven one sixty five, which is very small for sure. Um, and we know how good DeBrinket is forty goal scorers. So the NHL as a whole has become a very speed oriented league. So I yes. think that kind of the stigma towards smaller guys it comes from the past. You know, the NHL kind of being a grinded out physical sport, which by all mm-hmm. accounts, is still very physical, but we saw it with the Colorado Avalanche this year. Speed is very, very important in the NHL right now. Absolutely. It's a speed and skill game. Is he bigger than Sean Dawkins on Chell? Uh, the original he probably is because the original Sean Dawkins was like five foot six, 135. Um, but the new Sean Dawkins, uh, his, his twin brother, also named Sean Dawkins, <laughs> is like six foot seven. So he's definitely not bigger than that guy. Um, but, yeah, we're just going to quickly go through some other interesting guys. We're not going to cover all these guys. Um, I think Rucker McGrory is really solid pick for the Jets there at number 14. Um, other guys, Wacom Kimmel, I think he was a guy that actually fell a bit at number 17 to go to the Nashville Predators. Um, at, at number 20, uh, we have Ivan Miroshchenko. Um, sorry to that guy. I just absolutely butchered his name there. But um, – he was a guy that I think a lot of scouts really liked. And then when we get to number 21 and, you know, we do want to get to this, uh, the power play segment about our actual teams. Um, like it says, we actually had first runners because we usually do not own Pickering. Now, in my opinion, Garth, um, when they made this pick, uh, the guy I actually wanted, I don't think it was actually taken um, in the first round, or maybe he was uh Yurov. I don't know where he, where he was actually, I actually forgot where he was drafted. Um, uh, number 24, that's right. He went to the wild a few picks after. He was the guy I probably wanted because I think he was a very skilled scoring winger. Instead, they took Owen Pickering, who, look, the Pins defense sucks, Garth. I made no no mistake about making that very clear to you. I think even their best guy, Keith the, or Keith the Andal, Chris Letang, I wish it was Keith the Andal. Chris Letang um, is terrible defensively. He's great offensively, but on the defensive side, he turns it over too many times, has too many defensive lapses. We need a guy that can be a really good defensive defenseman. This Owen Pickering guy, Garth, six foot two, 
181. Now, he probably needs to put on some weight because when you're that tall and you're only 181, not too sure about that. But he has the height. He has the body frame. Um, I think if he just put on some weight, even if he's not an offensive guy, I don't care if he's not an offensive guy. But if he can be physical and good defensively, that's what the Penguins need because they have um, – they can score from their forwards. Like, they don't need an offensive defenseman. They need a guy that's rock solid defensively, and they haven't had that for quite a few years. Um, so do you have any thoughts on Owen Pickering before we uh, get to your lightning pick, Garth? Yeah, I think first and foremost, you guys took probably the biggest position of need. Uh, like you mentioned earlier in the show, did lose Marino, a guy I was a really big fan of um, this offseason. And then you've got guys like Latang who are up there in age. Um, so defensive, I think, is a very solid pick, regardless of who you guys went here. I think maybe what what made you not only the Penguins, but a lot of teams kind of shy away from Yurov is at the time of the draft, and even still a little bit now, there is a lot of uncertainty with Russian players, especially given the circumstances over there. Um, right. I actually was reading a lot of stuff where they were expecting no Russian players whatsoever to even be taken in the first round. Um, but, yeah, you know, I think this is a really good pick. When I look at the scouting report, Noah, what I see kind of the consensus praise for this guy um, is that despite being a defenseman, he's got a really good shot on him. And also, and I think this is probably really under the radar for draft prospects is that what they all kind of said is that this is a kid who was on a pretty much bottom of the league team, um, but he played a ton of minutes and he handled it really well. So this mm -hmm. is a guy that you already know has the mental fortitude maybe is mature beyond his years and might be ready to go at the NHL level a little bit earlier than some of these other guys. Um, I think that that's something that goes a long way and doesn't stand out on the stat sheet. Um, so, you know, overall really good pick. I think here, Noah, you guys need to add some defensemen to that core. Uh, he can go alongside Jan Ruda, my former Tampa Bay lightning guy, who's also yes. not very old 24. So they'll be there mm -hmm. for quite a few years. Should they, you know, end up keeping both. Yeah, like you said, uh, he was on the Swift Current Broncos in the WHL last season, Garth, and uh, you could tell it's not a good team because you look at his plus-minus right away, and you see that it's a minus 29, which is really, really bad. And it wasn't really anything to do with him as a player because he was pretty solid. Uh, nine goals and 24 assists in uh, 62 games for 33 points. Um, and from what I've heard from the scouts, he's very good at moving the puck, faking out four checkers and whatnot, and leading the, the rush out of the defensive zone. And obviously he has a big body frame. So, yeah, I was actually really surprised how much I like this pick because the Penguins drafting in recent years, when they had the worst times they have had first-rounders, it's not been great. So, I mean, like you said with Yurov, a bit of uncertainty around him. And they probably did need to – or actually, no, they definitely needed defenseman more than a winger player. So, even though I think Yurov was probably the most talented player, I think Pickering was probably the best position – the best player for position of need. Um, so, yeah, love the pick, actually. Other guys, uh, Jimmy Snuggerud going at A lot of really cool names in this draft. Some some fantastic names, man. Going to the St. Louis Blues. Yarov, who I mentioned, uh, 124 to the Wild. Uh, Philip Beistet, number 27 to the Sharks. Brad Lambert, who's a Finnish-Canadian center, going to the Winnipeg Jets. From the New York Rangers pick, that was the Andrew Kopp trade. Um now, this is probably the last player we're going to discuss uh, before we get to the next segment, Garth. Isaac Howard. Now, you've done a lot of research on this guy, I'm sure. Um, Tampa Bay Lightning first-round pick. 
last year for the U.S. Uh, developmental team, 82 points in 60 games, which is higher than guys like Coley, uh, higher than Gautier, 33 goals, 49 assists, uh, 42 penalty mats as well. He also played internationally on the other 18s when they won that silver, 11 points in six games, six goals, five assists. Um, I know you've done a ton of research, guys, so I'm just going to let you take the floor with this. What are your thoughts on Isaac Howard, newest first-round pick of the Tampa Bay Lightning? Yeah, so first and foremost, I was, one, surprised that we even were going to have a first-round pick headed into the draft, Mm -hmm. and then two, even more surprised that we actually held on to it and elected to it draft somebody at 31 because there was a ton of talk that the Tampa Bay Lightning were going to trade back. There wasn't, you know, going to be a ton of value, especially for positions of need available when it got to be the 31st pick in the first round. So just the fact that we actually got to pick somebody I was really excited for. Um, And then we went with a guy who, when I look at him, you know, I watch, watch film on this guy, look up his stats, get kind of Mm -hmm. everybody's opinions on him. I am really shocked that this guy fell this far back. Um, I did see that a lot of people kind of the same thing with Matthew Savoy. He's a little bit undersized, and I use that word very loosely because, like I said, I don't really like that term in the NHL anymore, especially when you see so many of these smaller guys coming in and absolutely killing it. Um, right. He, This guy is phenomenal on the offensive side of things. Um, and what a great system a player like this is going into in the Tampa Bay Lightning. We know how good their prospect camp is there with the Syracuse Crunch. All these key contributors that you've seen to the Tampa Bay Lightning for years have come up through that system. We've done a really good job at drafting and and developing. So I'm really, really high on this guy, Noah. Granted, like I said, he goes down as being an undersized center, but he is 5'10", 180, which is – considerably bigger than Matthew Savoy, Alex DeBrinket, as we mentioned. So I don't really, especially in this case, I don't like that term. But as you said, he led the U.S. national developmental team in scoring ahead of guys like Logan Cooley. 82 points in 60 games is really darn impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a United States best uh, 11 points, six goals, five assists in their 2022 IIHF Under-18 World Championship Tournament. Um, He is also going to the University of Minnesota, so he's going to a very great hockey college. They coin it as the Hockey State there in Minnesota. Um, So I think that this is a really, really good pick, and he doesn't have to develop super fast. He doesn't have to have an impact on the lightning quickly, which I think is going to help Noah because there is no, like, glaring huge need at center for the Tampa Bay Lightning right now. Sign Nick Paul long-term, obviously Steven Stamkos, Braden Point. You know, so I, I think that this is – granted, I'm biased. I'll give you guys that. But I think this is a really darn good pick by my Tampa Bay Lightning. Well, I'm not biased, Garth. And I'll say I think it's a very good pick because, like you said, big scoring touch for the U.S. Uh, developmental team. Um, he is actually committed, Garth, uh, for this year to the Minnesota Duluth. I think they're the Bulldogs um, in the NCAA. So – um, oh, yes, men- that's my mistake. It is Minnesota Duluth, not uh, Minnesota. But still, they if I correct me if I'm wrong, they have a really good hockey program there. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, Minnesota and Minnesota Duluth are both big hockey programs. So maybe we could see Logan Cooley and Isaac Howard, two Americans, going at it for those two teams. That would be interesting to watch. Um, but I definitely think it's a good pick. Uh, like you said, I mean, size is becoming far less important in the NHL. He's 5'10", 181, which, I mean – 
there's much smaller player, players than him at both center and winger that have been very productive. Um, you know, he was one of the leading, if not probably the leading actually uh, scorer on the U S national development team last year. I mean, I don't have the stats up guard, but he was higher than Cooley and higher than Gauthier who were both drafted way higher than him. So um, very productive, big part of that uh, world juniors championship, like you said. So yeah, I really like this guy, Garth. I think he's going to be really awesome. Um, and the fact they got him at number 31, and that leads me to our, our next segment uh, before we kind of wrap it up here. Um, our favorite sleeper pick. You can pick more than one, Garth. I'm probably going to pick two or three. I think Howard at, at number 31 is a good shout. But guys, I think are sleepers. I think Kimmel at number 17 um, was an absolute steal. Yurov at number 24 to the wild was really solid. And I think Brad Lambert at number 30 as well. I saw him marked way higher than that early in the season. So for him to basically almost be a second rounder is good. Owen Beck as well, who I believe was the, the first pick of the second round, definitely had some first-round grades throughout the season. Uh, do, are there any sleepers that you want to point out, Carl? Yeah, so obviously my bias pick for a good sleeper pick is going to go to Tampa Bay Lightning there with Isaac Howard. Not going to really talk on that because we just kind of beat that one to death. Um, but second, I talked about it a lot earlier in the broadcast, Matthew Savoy to the Buffalo Sabres. Absolutely love that pick for them. Huge position of need. Great, phenomenal player with a ton of upside, in my opinion. Um, I don't know. Maybe it necessarily it's like the best sleeper pick because he definitely was ranked very high per his position. I do like your guys' pick of Owen Pickering. Um, Marco Casper to the Detroit Red Wings also because Steve Yeiserman has made a living off of this kind of making the not expected pick kind of you know, a guy who you are kind of a little bit shocked that they picked. But when you look at that guy, he's a really darn good player, and they get him at number eight. Probably a little bit better than his ranking, in my opinion. Um, but, yeah, those are probably uh, probably the three that jump out the most at me. And then, like I said, honorable mention to the Pittsburgh Penguins finally having a first-round pick and not screwing it up, doing a really <laughs> good job there and, and taking Owen Pickering. Yeah, I definitely agree with that last part. Uh, a couple more comments. Um, if I remember right, uh, Dabrinkit is also a very physical guy, rated very fairly well for his size. Uh, yeah, he is. He's, he's actually a pretty solid hitter. Um, like even though he's five foot seven, he had like a hundred plus hits last season. So definitely for his size, is pretty physical. Um, Yuri Kulich, call me crazy, but he's the one that people are referring to as the young Yager. Well, that's a big name to live up to, Mikey, but he, he, he is a check forward, so that's definitely where they're getting the comparisons from. Um, look, I do like him. Um, obviously, Mikey is also a little bit biased because uh, he is a Sabres fan. He's hyping up all the guys the Sabres took, um, and I can't blame him. You know, That's why the draft is great. You get really excited about these young guys that can hopefully turn your franchise around. Garth biased, no shot. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely no shot of Garth being biased. Well, that's going to wrap up um, our entry draft uh, talk. Really awesome to talk about some prospects. I absolutely love the draft, Garth. It's nice to see these guys get drafted. You know, the, the draft is the time of the year that, well, unless unless you're a guy, Anthony, on draft night, for the most part, you know, pretty much all the fan bases have hope and they're really excited about the player they take. So we'll see how everyone works out. Uh, hopefully they all do well. Um, but real quick before we do get off, our final segment, uh, the overtime segment, uh, preseason, like I said, starts, I believe, this Saturday which is the 24th. Um, 
you know, this is a question for not just the fans, but you, Garth, that, you know, people in the comments can chime in if they're going to watch preseason. I know you were talking about trying to go to any preseason games in person. Have you actually got any tickets for that? I haven't, but I'm definitely – as long as things line up, I'm going to go to one preseason game. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely be watching regardless, even if I don't get to go in person. Um, I actually probably would be going this Saturday if it weren't – this Saturday is my one weekend a month to work, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, because for me specifically – Tampa Bay Lightning is really good right now. They have been for a few years, obviously. But um, I'm really interested in the prospects that we have because a lot of our guys are getting up there in age. So in the coming few seasons, it's going to be very, very important that these guys do end up being good picks and that they do develop and become NHL-type level players. So I'm going to be keeping a very close eye on our prospects over the next you know, few seasons. Absolutely. Um, one last comment before we wrap it up tonight. Mikey Bradley saying, good show, fellas. Sorry I came in a, a little late. Don't worry about that at all, Mikey. Thank you very much for tuning in, my friend. Um, yes, thank you for joining in, Mikey. We're, trust me, I can only speak for myself, but I'd like to think that both me and Noah are very, very excited that you've gotten into hockey and your fandom is only growing. Absolutely. Um, I, I would take pride in that, Garth, because that's what I did with you a few years back getting you into hockey and look where we are now. Um, so, yeah, another great show. Uh, thanks for all the likes, comments, sharing the show as well. Um, really good show once again um, for me and Garth. Um, do you have any last minute thoughts here, Garth, before we do wrap it up here for the night? Uh, just a huge shout out and thank you to everybody that tuned in tonight. Uh, like we said a few times here on the show, hockey is right around the corner. Preseason starts up this weekend. Uh, puck drop in exactly three weeks. Um, so just really, really excited to, over these next few weeks, really ramp up the hockey talk and kind of deep dive into the season that's ahead of us. We've got a lot of teams returning a ton of talent, like the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Colorado Avalanche. And we've also got a lot of teams loaded with young talent looking to take that next step forward and kind of throw their hats into the mix of things. Uh, But yeah, thank you guys very much for tuning in all the comments. Thank you, Noah, for joining me really, really enjoying the crap out of this hockey podcast, man. It's so awesome to get on here and talk some hockey. Absolutely. And our good buddy, Tom Grease saying, hell yes. Um, Mikey saying, who is Bo Hovart? Well, I don't know who Bo Hovart is, but Bo Horvat is a center <laughs> and the captain of the Vancouver Canucks. So you can do some research in team if you want. But, yeah, great show once again, uh, recapping the draft. Next Tuesday we'll be back with hopefully our regular season prediction show. But until then, from myself, Noah Dog Dabler, and my good friend and co-host, Garth Charger Patrick, this has been another episode of Pucking Around. We'll see you next time. Until then, enjoy your sports, enjoy your hockey, and have a good one.